You guys, Jesus said. What does that mean to you, Jesus said? We've been doing this all year long. I'm curious. This isn't tell me if I'm a good teacher moment. I'm asking you, what does this mean to you, Jesus said? Yes, sir. It's true. Ooh, good. Go ahead, Fiend. Yeah, all right. It means joy. Come on. I like it. I received that, bro. That's good. Is your dad tickling you, or is that just the joy? Yeah, Phoenix, man, make my day. What's Jesus said mean to you? It's true. So much joy you can't even get the words out. I should listen. Authority. Okay. It shall be. What's that? Promise. Amen. What's that? Oh, gosh. Listen to me, you guys. Jesus said is life. Jesus said is hope. Jesus said is joy. Jesus said is love, peace, all the things you see behind here. But more than that, he's God. And what he says goes. And some of us are really up for that. Case just said it honestly. We should listen. Yeah, and yet we don't. Not all the time, but we struggle. And so we've been looking at what does it mean to be blessed, and I want to go all the way back to what we said in the very beginning. We as people have defined blessing as things going our way or getting what we want. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus defines blessing as life going the way he wants it to go. And since Jesus is a master teacher, he calls his disciples to him by teaching them. What does he teach him? He teaches what it means and what it looks like to truly be blessed. And for nine weeks, we've been going after that. And so we might as well finish this blessed are, rejoice, and be glad with reading through Matthew 5, 1 through 12. Again, I have a young friend who memorizes chunks of the scripture, and he's sitting here with us. His name is Solomon Glor, and he is memorizing the Sermon on the Mount, not just the Beatitudes. And so if you take that as a challenge, then go for it. If you're like, mm, I don't know if I can do that, don't try to keep up with Solomon. He's, he's extra extra amazing, but maybe look at some of these. Maybe not just try to read them or get bored with them, but to internalize them. Matthew 5, 1 through 12. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. Those who want to do what he says. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them. Just thinking, just a chapter before this, Jesus was being tempted after being without food for 40 days. Some of us are like, gosh, I'm so hungry, and it's been 40 minutes. <laughs> Jim Gaffigan's like, gosh, I feel so hungry. It's been like 10 minutes since I had something. We say things like starving, and some of us have starved in here but not very many. But he opens his mouth and he's like, your soul's been needing this. 
Here you go. I, I came to give you what your soul needs. He opened his mouth, and he taught them. Man does not live on bread alone, Jesus said in Matthew 4, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So here you go. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Has anybody seen anything in there right off the bat that is hard to handle? Anybody? He says it's blessed. You're fulfilled. Uh, I'll have this up on the screen. It will go well with you. It'll go well with the one who. That's what blessing is. Happiness, joy, fortune. It'll go well with the one who. And then he says, hungers and thirsts for righteousness, has poverty of spirit, all these different things. And I'll just repeat them in just a second here. But then he says, for that one shall receive. The very first one says, theirs is the kingdom. I mean, this is who you are. When you have poverty of spirit, you actually recognize that he's the only one that satisfies you. So you're not ashamed to admit, boy, I need Jesus. We talked about the fact that there's people all around you, including the person you look in the mirror at, and you're like, I don't really like mirrors. It's not the mirror's fault, right? We just got stuff. We all need it. We all need help, and we look for lots of different places for it. But those who are poor in spirit recognize I'm impoverished because I can't make it right on my own, and I'm blessed because the kingdom of God is mine when I recognize that I can't do it on my own and nobody can for me. And he says, You're, it's going to go well with you if you mourn and grieve sin and its effects rather than stream it all the time bemoan it all the time and not mourn and grieve but just oh it's just so terrible how about looking to God and saying this place isn't it and he comforts you with himself by the way he is literally called the comforter the Holy Spirit is his comforter and he says blessed are the meek because they shall inherit the earth we're told might is right Whoever, you know, remember the whole golden rule, right? Do you remember what it is? Yeah, whoever has the gold makes the rule. That's what the world says to you. Jesus says, go and treat others the way you want to be treated. Like, go forth, like, take this kingdom message, this poverty of spirit, take this mourning of sin and not, I guess, feeding it or 
really just being somebody who just gives into it, can't help it, born that way. That's who I am. I'm just a jerk. But he's like, be meek. How this power that's under control, you will inherit the earth. This is who wins is those who are humble and meek and poor in spirit. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be satisfied. Friends, when we hunger and thirst for anything other than Jesus' right way, we're not satisfied. And we prove it over and over again. Have you ever seen somebody do the same thing over and over again, expecting different results? We call that craziness. But they keep doing the same thing and the same thing and the same thing. And they're so devastated that nothing has changed. Have you ever seen anybody like that? You ever looked in the mirror? It's not that you do that all the time, but we definitely, like, oh, gosh, I guess if I manipulate something, then I'll get what I want. Maybe, but you won't be satisfied. Jesus says you'll be satisfied. You're blessed if you hunger and thirst for his right way, because you'll be satisfied. He says you're blessed if you're merciful. If you give mercy to people, you'll receive mercy. Well, that sounds transactional. No, he's like, look, if you already know what it's like to be forgiven, you already know what it's like to be loved, you already know what it's like to have received mercy, you're going to give it, and you'll just keep getting it. And what a sweet circle that is. Anybody in on that? Anybody want to testify to the fact that giving mercy, not just receiving it, is a good thing? Here we are, right? Christmas season. It's blessed to to give, right? But we're all about receiving. And we got like, oh my goodness, you didn't. There's a bow on a car? If that's ever happened to anybody, I don't want to hear about it. (laughs) Just don't, because it might change everything. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, you guys, it is beautiful to receive. We start there, actually, because you couldn't give yourself oxygen. You couldn't give yourself life. Straight gift from the Lord. He literally breathed after he created mankind, he and she, in the image of God. He breathed life into them, his spirit. Breathed life. You couldn't do that on your own, so we start with receiving. And then we give because he gave to us. That's a great one, and I would spend forever on that, but I want to get to how in the world can you rejoice when you're persecuted, but here we go. Blessed are the pure in heart. We spend a bit on this one just looking at the fact that a lot of times people pretend like it's all good, and it's not. These all tie into each other, by the way. Pure in heart is like poor in spirit. You just admit, like, look, I, I'm transparent. I, I don't have it all together. Only you do. I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to act. But I'm also not going to just keep giving in to the old ways. I'm pure in heart. And what happens with that person? They see God. Well, I've never really seen God. That would kind of freak me out a little bit. Yeah, it would. But he says they're going to know, Jesus said, they're going to know you're my disciples by your love for one another. People are going to know who Jesus is by us following him and looking like him. What a great gift. What a great blessing. 
And right here, he says, blessed are the peacemakers. I've fought so hard to try to keep the peace. And that's led me to a bunch of compromise. I know what God says is right. But in a particular conversation or a particular circle, what God says is right is not welcome, so I'll just kind of leave it out. I mean, I don't want to, you know, alienate people. And what you win people with is what you win them to. If you want and if I want to compromise and water down the whole poverty of spirit thing, if we want to water down the pure in heart thing, then that's what you're going to show people. And you know what they're going to see? You, not Jesus. And it's pretty easy to do that. But peacemakers, boy, they point to the only way, Jesus. They don't try to just kick down the door and yell at people, but a peacemaker is somebody who actually follows Jesus. And he or she, son, daughter of God. I get to look like the family resemblance. I get to actually be able to be somebody who says, look, there's only one way, and it's not us. It's not money. It's not getting that bow on the car. It's not getting some kind of clean bill of health. All those things are beautiful and wonderful, and they're expressions of God's goodness and grace. But the best one is that you would never be separated from him again. The goodness of God. And then he finishes here. You're blessed when people revile you or persecute you. Because great is your reward in heaven. Is your reward in heaven worth living for today? Some people are like, oh, man, I can't wait. going to get my, my crown, and I'm going to get my jewels, and I'm going to walk on gold, and it's going to be dope. It'll be real cool. And if you want to, read in the book of Revelation where they take those crowns that have jewels and all that and throw them at the feet of Jesus. Because you know the greatest reward in heaven is Jesus. Merry Christmas. <laughs> yes, we get to have things the way they should be and the bodies are right. And I don't have to have a doppelganger look like, I don't know, Jack Black short. I get to be tall and whatever. But I won't even worry about that because I'm going to be in the presence of Jesus. And yes, again, I don't want sin or death or anything, but that's why you've got Jesus in his glorified form. Nothing is wrong. It's lit up by him. Woo, that's good news. So all that leads to the why and how of rejoicing and being glad. Let me read for you one more time, Matthew 5, 11 and 12. Jesus finishes his whole Beatitudes, this whole, this is what it's like to be blessed, fortunate, satisfied, 
favored, your circumstances are the way they should be, all of it, right? You're blessed when others revile you and persecute you. By the way, you know what's crazy? One through ten, he says, blessed are they, blessed are those. But in 11 and 12, he's like, let me get real personal. It's not just out there. It's you. It's you. And he's talking to his immediate audience right there. They would very soon after all these things were taught the first time be persecuted. Jesus would be killed. They would be scattered. And ultimately all of them but one would die a martyr's death. And he's like, blessed are you when others revile you. They spit at you. They cuss at you. They call you stupid things. And they persecute you and they utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account because I'm yours and you're mine. He says, rejoice and be glad. Can you imagine the eyes? Rejoice and be glad? For real? Mm. For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This has always happened to God's people. So I'm going to ask two questions for you really quick. Why rejoice and be glad? Do you guys have any any quick thoughts on that before I give you the remainder of the message? And I'm going to take all my 18 minutes, so just hang in there with me. Man, I know we're in church, and I know that's the right answer, but it just sounds so good. Because Jesus said, what if we lived our lives because Jesus said so? Yeah, but can you, can you unpack it for me a little? Can you give me some other reasons? None better, but I'm gonna. Why? Because Jesus said, anybody else? Look, I know I said that's the perfect answer, and I gave a teacher the good student award, so nice job, here's your star, bling, but why? He said it's coming. It's because you're his. When you look like him, people are going to either be drawn or repelled. There's not a lot of meh. There might be a meh attitude towards people, but inside, people are either drawn to Christ or repelled by him. Any other thoughts on why? You're living your purpose. <laughs> Share the, the points to glorify God. Who else can we glorify? You know, somebody told me recently that Christmas bugs them because it's so over the top about Jesus. <laughs> I was like, I don't always say Christmas like that. I wish I did. But I'm like, that bugs you? Well, it's just like, I don't know, he's kind of like an egomaniac. Like, first of all, he came super humble as a baby, and that's kind of the thing that we just, like, trip out on. And like, wow, how amazing, and a virgin, and all this, right? God 
chose to be a baby. Grow up in anonymity for 30 years. And then have an amazing ministry for three years. And his reward? Kill him. Kill him. We don't like it. It's too much. Who else should God glorify than himself? Is there anybody higher? It's conceit if you and I glorify ourselves. It's straight up brilliant when Jesus glorifies himself. It's how it's supposed to be. All these are good answers to why. And I'll unpack a little bit more. But the how is where I'm really going to see all this be unpacked. How? I'm going to read for you out of a commentary called the Socio-Rhetorical Commentary. This guy quotes all kinds of people, all kinds of different teaching and all that. And he takes what the world says and what other religions say, and he kind of just takes it right here to Jesus. But he says, yeah, this is where you can find the Lord. This is where you can find the Lord, but there's only one way. Matthew is summoning his community to an honor far higher than merely filling the role of an Old Testament prophet. He summons them and us to bear the name, to honor Jesus. Who's greater than those prophets? Jesus. Remember when Jesus said, hey, who do you say I am? Well, he actually, before he says, who do you say I am? He says, what's the word on the street? Who do people say I am? Oh, you're Elijah. Or you're John the Baptist, come from the dead. Or you're one of the other prophets. <laughs> and Peter, the big mouth, says, oh, you are the son of the most high God. You're the Messiah. So much higher than the prophets. And Jesus doesn't go, oh, man, thank you. But you actually got me just a little bit too high in your estimation. <laughs> He's like, blessed are you, Simon Peter. No human gave you that. That's from my father. Nice job. You're right. He calls us to suffer for righteousness' sake. That means you suffer for Jesus' name. Because the characteristics that Jesus lists that we just went through as belonging to the kingdom people are those that he exemplifies as the leading servant of the kingdom and the only true son of God. The gospel portrays Jesus as meek and lowly in heart as mourning over unrepentant cities of the land, as showing mercy, as being a peacemaker, and as being ridiculed as a false prophet. If Jesus, the supreme teacher, is meek and lowly, how much more must his disciples, who are to imitate his ways? In contrast to the world and all of its religious celebrities, how much more are we to take after him? By living this lifestyle of humble non-resistance and trusting God, disciples show themselves to be children of the Father. And so, how do we do this? 
You got so much that goes on in your life, so much anxiety, so much trials, so much boredom, so much mediocrity, so many different things that the world in your own body just longs for. And even as Christians, we just keep giving in to these weird little sin habits. How do we rejoice and be glad? Be calm. Isn't that helpful? You're all anxious. Be calm. I'm all worked up. I'm all stressed. Don't stress out. That's almost as helpful as somebody who's cut themselves and you're like, stop bleeding. Oh, no, we're not going to have any more of that blood. Got a broken ankle. Don't have a broken bone. And he's like, well, you should pray over it. Like, yeah, cool, but sometimes it is what it is. This doesn't always feel so helpful. Be calm. Hey, you stressed out, Bill? Be calm. Hey, I know that there's a whole lot going on in your life right now. There's so much struggle, but Jeffrey, just be calm. All right. Bingo. Since that's not so helpful, let's break down what Pastor Max Licato in his book, Anxious for Nothing, says about being calm. C-A-L-M. But we're going to find all of that in Philippians 4, 4 through 8. And I'll finish with a bonus verse in 9. I don't have it on the screen because I'm a, a little bit of a drama queen or king or whatever you want to call it. So I want to make much out of this verse and have you read it with me but not up on the screen. But this one, we're going to read these five verses here. Philippians 4, 4 through 8. We're going to look at calm, what it means to be calm, to, to settle down, to, to slow down, to actually rejoice and be glad. Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? He repeats it in the very first sentence. Rejoice in the Lord. When, church? And he says, I'll say it again, rejoice. You know why? Because we just heard the word always. Anybody got a spot in their life? You can talk about the past. You can talk about right now. Where it's been hard to rejoice in the Lord. Come on, let's be honest now. We got half of you raising your hands. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I'll say rejoice. Let your reasonableness or your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. How at hand is the comforter? Where does the Lord Jesus Christ live? In your heart. Now, he's in heaven, and he's in your heart. Now, he's everywhere. And yet, by his spirit, he lives in you. Case is going to give you a great message on that. Listen close for it. It'll be exciting. The Lord's at hand. He's not somewhere else. Do not be anxious about anything. Oh, here we go again. Stop being anxious. Oh, that's really helpful. Thank you. You guys, why should we not be anxious? Do you, do you, have you heard anything yet in the first verses that we read why we shouldn't be anxious? 
the Lord's at hand. <laughs> He's got this. And only in him do you. Because you'll see up there in verse 4, it says rejoice in the Lord always. You don't have to rejoice in cancer. You don't have to rejoice in financial ruin. You don't have to rejoice in adultery. Rejoice in the Lord. Not in your pain, in your agony, but in the Lord. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. That's like just throwing it out to the Lord with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, quit trying to figure it out and just receive it. Well, it just doesn't make sense. Isn't it beautiful? You don't have to figure it out. That shalom, that comes from the Lord. I shouldn't have peace right now, but I actually feel at peace. Don't fight it, friend. <laughs> Receive that. The peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Let's unpack Pastor Max Licato. And I always thought it was Licato until I heard him say his own name. <laughs> and then I really actually almost wanted to correct him. Because I'm real smart. I'm like, are you sure? You sure that's how you pronounce your name, buddy? Hmm? Gosh, I'm a knucklehead and really prideful sometimes. But it's Max Licato, and listen to what he says. Be calm. C, celebrate God's goodness. Come on, it's Christmas time. Let's celebrate his goodness. Hey, you know what you should celebrate God's goodness? When the bill comes, too. You should celebrate God's goodness all the time. Listen, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. <laughs> There's a lot to this. How in the world do we celebrate God's goodness in difficult times? Trust Jesus. You're rejoicing in the Lord. Remember what he did? He rejoiced for the joy set before him. We just read this this week if you're doing the, the reading plan with us. And if you're not, you can get on that app and, and follow along. But it's for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. Jesus showed us that suffering comes before glory. And Jesus' suffering and resurrection have secured a joyous future for us. Rejoice in the Lord always. So celebrate God's goodness. Now the A in calm is ask God for help. Ask God for help. Verse 6, don't be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Like, I know you've got this, God. I'm freaked out about it. And, and I rejoice in the fact that you're good and you're God. And that can actually start to change your mind. But we're pure in heart, so we're not pretending. But we're remembering who he is and what he's done and how awesome he is. Not, I mean, so... There's at least a couple of couples in here that went to for king and country last night. Anybody else go to it besides these guys? And so it's an amazing experience. 
and it's Christmas, and it's drums, and it's nuts, and it's amazing. And that's a really, really, really easy place to celebrate. And it's a really, really good time to ask God, show me this and help me to remember this. But you don't always have a concert with you. But you always got Jesus with you. So ask him. Ask him to help. Ask him to show you where you can see him. If joy is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, a fruit of the Holy Spirit, and you and I as Christians are filled with the Holy Spirit, we've got joy. So ask God to open up your eyes to see the joy, to see your place, to see that this isn't all there is. And some of us need to do that minute by minute. Jesus says, daily take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. Why? Because sometimes you and I cling to things that are killing us. And we just need to choose to die to those things and find joy in him. Ask God for help. Then the L, leave your concerns with him. Remember, it's no anxiety, right? We're leaving that with him. Keep giving it to him. You may be like me in that you give it to him and immediately take it back. Whether it's death or finances or problems in your family or problems with your job or you just look outside and you go, oh, here's the rain. <sighs> you guys, can I just be raw with you? Yesterday, we had what we call Serve Saturday. And... I was here, and I was preparing for it, and I was, like, really anxious about the weather, and I woke up at, like, I don't even know what it was, 3.30 in the morning, and it was just thumping rain, and I'm like, I guess we won't be picking up trash today. What else can we do, Lord? I don't know what we're going to do, and I give that over to the Lord, and, and I get here, and it's, you know, it's pretty early, and I'm getting food ready and all this kind of stuff, and I'm just praying. I'm like, okay, God, I, I'm over. I mean, I have to keep giving it. I keep leaving it there, and I did, and I did, and I did, and then I was done, and I was like, hey, all right, it looks like the weather's cool to begin with. It's going to work, and I'm like, gosh, we're going to get a lot done, and two other individuals showed up. That's the smallest we've ever had. There's so much going on. It's December. I had kicked around the idea of not even having one. And here we are, right? I'm, I've got this that's going to happen in the morning, and then I need to be up to Gold Bar Elementary by 1130 for the memorial service. And I was anxious about the whole thing, and I had to keep leaving it with him. It's just so hard when you do something like this, and if you're on the podcast, sorry, or I mean on the, you leave it, okay, you guys, you're going to get a workout, keep leaving it, keep leaving it, finally, in being calm, you celebrate God's goodness, ask for his help, leave your concerns with him, and then the M, meditate on good things. <laughs> Gosh, this is where the Solomon way of doing things where you internalize God's word can be really, really helpful. 
Yes, it's good to memorize. But you don't have to memorize to meditate on good things. What does God say is good? Listen. Truth, honor, justice, purity, love, anything commendable, anything excellent, anything worthy of praise. Think about these things. Then verse 9. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, Paul says, practice these things. And the God of peace, or as before he says the peace of God, now he says the God of peace will be with you. Be calm, friends. Celebrate God. Ask him for help. Leave your stuff with him. Meditate on the good things. Write this out, you guys. It's on the app. There's a bunch of bonus rejoice and suffering texts that I'd love for you to look at. But on this website that we all have access to, it's this idea of you got questions. And they have some really cool stuff, and they bring you to the word. Listen to this. We can rejoice always knowing that the joy of the Lord is your strength, Nehemiah 8.10. We can rejoice always knowing that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, Romans 8.28. We can rejoice always knowing that God's gifts and his call are irrevocable, Romans 11.29. We can rejoice always knowing that one day we will inhabit the new Jerusalem, we will see the Lord face to face, and we will live in a perpetual day, Revelation 22, 1-5. But our rejoicing should be in what the Lord has done and continues to do and will do in the future regardless of our circumstances or our feelings. Our hope is in the Lord for he is our rock and salvation, Psalm 62.6. This alone is reason enough to rejoice always. So how do you move towards Jesus I want to be very gentle. Stop moving away from him. Come to him. For the first time, for some of you, for the 35th time today, for some of the others in the room, there's a lot that goes on. But how do you move towards Jesus? You humble yourself. You submit. You take him at his word, and you know that he's the righteousness. He's the humility. He's life. Some of you need to just flat out surrender. Come to God with your hands up. He's already won. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let's pray. Father, today and every day is a day that you've already known. You're outside of time. God, there's people in this room right now that are just clicking right along. Everything's going real well. Real nice. And yet, there's many others who are at a crossroads in their life. They've got pain like they haven't experienced before. They've got fear and anxiety like they haven't 
experienced before. They need to be calm. They need to celebrate you and ask you and leave their stuff with you and meditate on your good things. And they're struggling. And I pray right now in your precious name that you give them the strength, the wisdom, the insight, the courage. Lord, give them and may they receive your comfort, your living hope. And for those who are just kind of bored, just kind of like, oh, but you forgot to mention this and that, would they take something from this message and live it out for your great glory? I pray all this in your perfect son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.